I think it's pretty safe to say that most believers in Jesus, most followers of Jesus, don't really have a problem with the idea, the concept of prayer. Prayer is something that most followers of Jesus don't really blanch at. It is, after all, as Paul Miller writes in his book, A Praying Life, nothing but talking to God. And so most of us recognize that prayer is an important part of the life of a follower of Jesus. Most of us recognize that prayer is a privilege of a follower of Jesus. And yet, I have to ask the question, why is it that I pray so relatively little? And I can tell by the shock and awe on all of your faces that you wonder the same thing about yourselves. Why is it? Why is it that we pray so relatively little? Is it a lack of faith that's sort of inaction? Is it the difficulty of distraction surrounded by all of these things? Is it because I, and I refuse to believe that I am alone in this, is it that I am far too dependent upon myself and my abilities and not nearly trusting in and dependent upon God enough? Prayer is nothing but talking to God. And while it is that we enjoy varying degrees of delight and faithfulness to the duty of prayer at different stages of our life and our faith, we recognize that we, we at least recognize that we ought to be talking to God. We recognize the necessity and the importance of talking to God both as individuals and as a body of believers. It's sort of like someone who's had open heart surgery recognizes the necessity to change their diet while they're eating at Five Guys and Fries. <laughs> we just don't do what we're supposed to, what we know we're supposed to do. They don't have salads at Five Guys, Don. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, as Father Ethan read for us this morning, Jesus does not say, if you pray. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, says, when you pray. And so it is that prayer is something that is expected of Jesus' people. And, and prayer is, like so many other things in life, something that must be exercised. In order to have a more robust prayer life, one must actually pray. And over the next few weeks, we'll be spending our sermon time looking at a, a couple of different aspects of prayer, all built around the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And today, as we begin this sort of mini-series of three Sundays on prayer, I'd like for us to think together about prayer in the single aspect of the great privilege that prayer is. I'd like for us to think together about prayer in this one single aspect, and that is the great privilege of the presence of God. And this morning, we'll think about this great privilege and the presence of God in, in two ways. First, prayer offers us the great privilege of the presence of God as it is an audience with the King. And second, prayer offers us the great privilege of the presence of God as it is a conversation with the loving Father. Jesus here in Matthew chapter 6 teaches his disciples to pray beginning in verse 9 with these words. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Who is this Father? 
Who is this one that Jesus says we are able to address like him as father? Well, if we look at the pages of Scripture, we, we come to realize that the father is a pretty profound, important, holy, righteous king. The father is nonetheless than the one who is the author of creation and salvation. The, the father is the Lord most high that Psalm 47 refers to as the great king over all the earth. The Father is the one who sits upon the throne. And if you look at Revelation chapter 4, St. John catches a glimpse of the throne in heaven. And he heard the worship of, of heavenly beings given to the one upon the throne. They sang to him, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. And so the Father is the, the one true king, the creator, the one who sits upon the universal cosmic throne that St. John saw in Revelation chapter 4. Prayer is the privilege of coming into the presence of the creator king. And lest we take this privilege lightly, let's see what happens in the Old Testament when people catch a glimpse of the king and his glory. In Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel, by the way, I've always thought would make an amazing movie with uh, CGI special effects because there's a lot of weird things that happen in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 1, for, for instance, there's this vision of wheels within wheels and, and these weird creatures flying around and this moving sort of pediment, and upon that was a throne. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 was in the temple one day. And the temple was filled with the glory of the Lord. And Isaiah saw these weird creatures and he saw the throne and the Lord sitting upon the throne. On a mountain in Sinai, Moses caught just a glimpse of the back of God. Ezekiel fell on his face like a dead man. Isaiah's words turned to ashes in his mouth as he was undone. And Moses glowed with a reflected glory. God, the creator of all that is, is the king of all that is. He is sovereign over and above all. And to come into his presence is a life-altering thing. What happens to uh, John in the presence of God? He, he receives the revealing, the revelation. What happens to Ezekiel? He is called in the prophetic ministry. What happens to Isaiah? He is called in the prophetic ministry. Moses shone with the glory of God. To come into the presence of the Creator King is to have your life changed and transformed. And prayer brings us into that presence. The presence of the one, as Psalm 93 puts it, whose throne was established long ago. God upon His throne, the Creator, is the King. He is sovereign. He rules over all. And nothing can stand in God's presence without God allowing it to. This is the God who disarmed and literally beheaded the idol of Dagon and Ashdod. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 5 and 6. This is the God who destroyed the gods of Egypt and the plagues. This is the God who provided for Joseph in Egypt, who wrestled with Jacob, who called out Abraham. And this is the God, the one that we are said that we can call our father. 
The one who said, let there be light, and there was light. The one that St. Paul writes is, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. Who is Father? That's his Father. The Creator King, the one who rules, the one who is sovereign, the one who knocks down idols and sets his people free. The one who goes into exile with his people, the one who causes visions and drives us to our knees as though we were dead men. He is the one to whom we can say our Father. Prayer is the privilege of coming into the presence of God the Creator. Prayer is the privilege of an audience with the King. And are we amazed by this grace? Are we amazed by this grace that the creator God, the sovereign king of the universe, would grant us, lowly little us, an audience? And yet that is exactly what he does. As Anglican theologian J.I. Packer puts it, this awesome, holy, transcendent God stoops down in love to lift us up from the gutter, so to speak, brings us into his family, gives himself to us in unstinting fellowship, and thus enriches us forever. That is the one that we can call Father, the one who is King. And Jesus instructs his disciples, he instructs us to pray to our Father, because that exactly that is exactly who the King of creation becomes in Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. We heard this morning, as Dorothy read for us from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the 8th chapter, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Through this Trinitarian act of adoption, the King of all creation, the Sovereign Lord, becomes Father. And those who are adopted into the family are loved, not as servants, not as outcasts, but as children. They are loved not as individuals who must earn it and somehow achieve it, but because God has given it. They are children who are loved. This adoption is no measly thing. And in fact, it is what one theologian has called the apex of grace and privilege. And in the first century, the, both Greek and Roman cultures had an institution of adoption, a, a state of peace and security where a child could be adopted into a family that was not biologically their own and receive all legal rights and privileges that could accrue to a biological child. And in fact, I've read and I've heard before where adopted children could never be unadopted or disinherited, but a biological child will better watch out because you can get kicked to the curb. Recognize this. Why do you think that Paul says there is now no condemnation? Nothing can separate us from the Father because we are adopted in the Son through the Spirit. And so we can say to the King of all creation, our Father. In this triune act of adoption, the Father adopts through the Son and the Holy Spirit. Men and women and little kids become children of God in a real positional and objective sense. In his loving kindness, in his grace, God grants a new status to those who believe in Jesus, the Son. The Father calls them children. Once unloved, now 
loved. Once not my people, now my people. And through the Son, as this new reality is given, conscious awareness of it and the exercises of the privileges inherent to it are raised up by the sealing of the Holy Spirit. This is nothing less than adoption into the very life of the Trinity, and this is something astonishing. Can we capture the amazing grace that is here? Adopted by the Father through the Son in the Spirit, believers in Jesus have amazing privileges. And as St. John has pointed out, one of these privileges is that of prayer. St. Paul has pointed out that of prayer. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. There wasn't a change in the king. There was a change in us. The king is still the king. He is still the creator of all that is. He's still sovereign over everything, adopting us as children. Believers in Jesus are given the status of sons and daughters and given the freedom and the privilege to speak to the Father as the Son speaks to the Father, to be loved by the good and perfect Father. Like the elder brother Jesus, believers now can approach God as Father, praying to Him as Jesus prayed to our Father who art in heaven. Praying praying to the Creator King who is there, and is who is in charge and who will never stop loving his children. An Anglican theologian has said this about the Father. He is free from all the limitations, inadequacies, and flaws that are found in earthly parents. There is no better father, no parent more deeply committed to his children's welfare or more wise and generous in promoting it than God the Creator. Prayer offers us this great privilege of the presence of God. Prayer offers us an opportunity to have an audience with the King of all creation and a conversation with a loving Father. They are one in the same. And folks, prayer fundamentally isn't about getting things from the Father King. It is about the privilege of His presence. This is, I think, the fundamental point of prayer, enjoying the presence of God, coming into the presence of the King who is the adoptive Father through the Son in the Spirit and knowing Him. If I can put it this way, it is God who is the blessing of prayer. God is the blessing. Above and beyond anything God may grant us or give to us, being his children, welcomed into his presence and enfolded into the life of the Trinity, is the blessing. What is it that the psalmist writes? As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after for the Porsche you will put in my driveway. No. So my soul longeth after thee. St. Augustine once wrote in a prayer, Put salt upon my lips, O Lord, that I may thirst for thee. Prayer is about the presence of God in which the prayer receives God himself, not the things that God may give, because fundamentally what God wants to give to us, his children, is himself. 
life in the Trinity. And so, as Pete Gregg has pointed out, the impetus to pray is like Jesus' impetus. It is simply to have sprung from a desire for interaction with the one he called Abba, the one we call Father. Why do we pray? Because we can come and talk to God the Father. It is so much more than just giving a wish list to the Creator and Redeemer. It includes more than telling God what we think we need or want. In all prayer, whether individual or corporate, we humbly submit ourselves to God and seek God and His leading in our lives. Again, Pete Gregg puts it so well. In the relentless love of the Father towards all of us, to all of us as His children, His priority is relationship, and His default is kindness. Of course, there are times to petition the Father for provision, to cry out for help, to ask for advice. But if we only ever make demands of God, we will gradually reduce our relationship with Him to a self-interested wish list of transactional requests. We make God some sort of cosmic bellhop. In prayer, we come into the presence of the Creator God who is the King of all creation. He is also the loving Father of those who are adopted to the Father in the Son through the Holy Spirit. And there in prayer, we can enjoy Him and His presence. I believe there are explicit challenges here for us today. I think there are two explicit challenges. First, do you know that the Father loves you? Do you know this? Do you know that the Father loves you? More than that, He even is fond of you. More than loving you, He wants you to come into His presence. He likes you, and He offers His presence to you through prayer. The first challenge is this. Know that the Father loves you. And if you do not know that the Father loves you, is even fond of you, why not? Take the opportunity today to surrender and submit. Take the opportunity today to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, to receive the love of the Father, the Father who will never fail, the love that will never dim. There will be indeed space this morning, time to offer this prayer, time to offer a prayer of repentance and acceptance. Uh, and there will be people who can pray with you and for you in this. If the Father is calling you today to come and know His love, respond with faith and trust and come to the Father. The second challenge, I think, is this to pursue the privilege of the presence of God through prayer. Rest in His presence. Spend time in conversation with the Father as individuals and as a body. Enjoy the privilege of God's presence for His people in Jesus, and it is transforming. Folks, I believe it is incumbent upon us as a manual church to be a people of prayer, and while it is perhaps I am alone in needing it, it is good for us to be taught and reminded again and again of the importance of prayer. And we'll talk about this over the next few weeks. The importance of prayer for us this morning is that it brings us into the very presence of God where He gives Himself to us, the Creator and the Father. 
I'm going to challenge you this morning with these, these final few words. Our current prayer ministries are in need of prayer warriors. Our Sunday morning intercessors, our prayer chain ministries, and our other ministries of, of prayer and intercession that need to be developed, redeveloped, and reclaimed. We need prayer warriors. And as we'll look at next week, make no mistake about it, prayer is warfare. Martin Luther calls it a constant violent action of the Spirit as it's lifted up to God as a ship driven upward against the power of the storm. Thus, we must all practice violence and remember that he who prays is fighting against the devil and the flesh. Satan, Martin Luther says, is opposed to the church. And the best thing we can do, therefore, is to put our fists together and pray. Are you called to this type of prayer ministry among the church that is called Emmanuel? I pray that you will pray about it. And I pray that if you feel gentle pressure from God into this direction, that you will act upon it. And I pray that if the gentle pressure is not so gentle after all, that you will still act upon it. <laughs> prayer and the practice of prayer is a discipleship issue. As such, in the coming weeks, we will not only be preaching upon certain aspects of prayer, but we will continue to challenge one another with active participation in our prayers as individuals and as body. We'll continue to pray on Sunday mornings at 9.40 a.m., 20 minutes before this service starts. For over the last year, we have prayed at 9.40 a.m. in the Noah's Ark Children's Ministry Building. We will continue to offer times of sacrament and prayer on Tuesday and Thursday mornings, as we have for the last several decades. We'll continue to offer times of guided and specific prayer one Saturday morning a month with our prayer walks. One is coming up on July 21st. And this coming fall... As our kids enjoy the Gospel Project, we will offer a very practical discipleship course on prayer for students and adults. And on July 28th, we will have a time, a Saturday morning time, to talk about prayer and the practice of prayer, specifically about the loving Father. I'm not looking to beat people up. I'm not looking to stomp on your toes. However, if there is a gentle pressure upon the tops of your feet right now, then like, can I tell you that you're exactly like me? In a moment of pastoral transparency, perhaps some would call it stupidity, I must confess that I do not pray as I ought. And so it is, the challenges here are challenges to myself, the challenge to pray, to enjoy the presence of God, the King and Father, to repent of our sloth of inactivity, to repent of our sloth of hyperactivity, to repent of our neglect of prayer. And if you're an amazing prayer warrior, keep it up. Prayer offers us the greatest privilege possible, that is to be in the very presence of God, the creator, the king, who is our father through Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. May he salt our lips that we thirst for him. And may we be a people of prayer, of prayer a people enjoying the privilege of the presence of God through prayer. In just a few moments, the band is going to come forward and we're going to respond with worship the altar's open just because we're responding with worship doesn't mean we stop praying or disengage from our prayer life the altar is open if you want to come forward and pray at the altar come to the rail if you want to be prayed with you just give ethan or i father ethan or i the nod and we'll come pray with you during our time of the eucharist this morning we have prayer stations that are available on either side where there are people who are there to pray for you and the rail is still open for prayer 
And just because the, 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 the sermon and just because the service ends doesn't mean prayer stops. If you are in a place where you need to be prayed with and prayed for, I know there are people available who will do that with you today. I'm one of them. Maybe you want somebody cuter like Jeff Cressy. He's there. <laughs> All of this is to say, do not leave here today without encountering the presence of God. He wants to give himself to us today. He does that through prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you. What a privilege this is. Lord, restore in us, renew in us, build up in us, light the fire again, or if it never was there in the first place, light it anew. To know you, to long for you, to desire your presence. Inspire us to pray. Say this in Jesus' name. Amen.